Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com and Draft.com, where if you go right now and sign up for Draft.com and you use the promo code BOXES, you will get a free entry into your first draft. I am your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me as always is my co-host, Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? All right, Mike. Here's a question for you Uh-oh. to kick things off. Gee, okay. you, always, you always have a question right off the top of the bat. Like right off the bat, you always have some question. You're trying to always trying to stump me. Okay, so now we're going to talk rookies on this episode, right? And I'm this excited. This is the official rookie ranking, watching the boxes, 2018 special edition special. So. I'm going to ask you this question, okay? And it's a two-parter, okay? You can have one first-round pick and one second-round pick. you got to start a franchise from scratch today. Who are you taking? Ooh, from this draft? Yep. Not from, any other, not from any other draft? Nope, from this draft, from the 2018 NBA draft class. And you're talking about a fantasy basketball Dynasty. League. No, no, I'm talking about real life basketball. Oh, team. real life basketball. That's a you whole nother. You get to start a real life basketball team. You can have you can have one first round pick and one second round pick from this draft. Who are you right. taking? Going, um, Wendell Carter Jr. No, I'm just uh, using my Bulls biased. Um, I think I got to go Luka Doncic. All right, I like it. Right. I like it a lot. He's pretty much going to be one of the the best players. It feels like you hope. Like you, ha- I haven't seen him play against NBA talent, but we have seen him play against like grown ass men and, in Europe. And, and he's like he, one of the best players. He, here's the thing. Here and here's the funny thing, right? So these guys all just played in summer league and some people are getting like super hyped over certain players. That I'm sure we'll talk about, right? Like, Ooh, this guy dominated summer league. Everyone does realize that the league that Luka Doncic played in is much better than summer league. And he was really good, including like the MVP of the year. Oh, and by his the way, basketball league, he was just the MVP of the damn league and won the right. championship. No big deal. <laughs> so like people want to be like, Oh, blah, blah. He was the third pick, you know, blah, this, that's like, you realize he's been playing against better competition than all these guys just played against and dominating, correct? Like, Yeah, he's going to be great. He could be a, a legit superstar. Uh, in the second round, you know, I don't know a lot of these dudes. Like I, I think I've said in a previous podcast, you uh, have a great um, breakdown actually- of the draft every year, and that's why we're using your rookie rankings, not my rookie rankings, to talk about the rookies on this show. Uh, but I have heard some some buzz about Mitchell Robinson on the New York Knicks. And so here, we'll talk about this probably a little bit, right? So I did a mock draft like all the way back um, pretty much at the start of the, the college season, okay? Okay, that's a Mitchell, little early. Mitchell Robinson was like my 13th pick in that draft. Oh. This was bef- This was like when the whole thing of him not going to Western Kentucky was starting and, and all that. Um, another guy who got picked in the second round that was way up there was DeAnthony Melton. Yep. And um, 
then you got guys like Akobo, right? Who's looks like he's going to play some bit for Phoenix. And then you got Keita Bates Dop, who also was probably uh, arguably, you know, kind of a first round pick. Um, so it's probably between those four, but I- I'm with you. It's hard to pass up on Mitchell Robinson. Um, a big guy who's athletic enough to run around a little bit, can block some shots. Um, he looks really good in summer league. He did look very good. If you were listening for some deep league uh, rookies to be targeting, you just got him. Like you just, just uh, we appreciate you downloading the podcast and please just let it listen, like play through to the ends and, and rank and review the podcast. But other than that, you don't have to listen to anything. If you're just looking for deeply guys, don't listen to the rest of the podcast. They, there they were. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited always to talk about rookies because um, we know a lot, a lot about the, the guys who played forever. Like we, we talked about in the last episode, right? DeMar DeRozan. We, we pretty much know what DeMar DeRozan is going to do. With yes. these rookies, anything can happen, man. Anything. Everyone is always excited about rookies, so much so that they're usually overhyped. Um, and I think, you know, this year where they're actually going to be – a lot of them are going to be properly hyped because this is a um, a pretty um, rare, deep draft class where you could see – um, you know, four to five guys being standard league relevant when up until the last few years, a rookie being standard league relevant was really unheard of. Like Kevin Durant wasn't, was barely standard league relevant when he, uh, during his rookie season. Uh, you know, we have our outliers like Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Anthony Davis, all those guys were standard league uh, relevant. And then last year with the uh, Donovan Mitchell, I guess if you're going to call Ben Simmons a rookie, Ben Simmons was up there. Um, There's been an influx of just these like really outstanding rookies. I don't, this is going to be no exception. In fact, this might be one of the biggest um, standard league relevant rookie classes of all time. There, I said it. I also say this. um, So, so these, these rankings we're going to talk about are much, they're mostly for a like rookie dynasty draft, right? Like rookie only dynasty draft. Um, and here's the the thing that most people maybe don't understand about those drafts, right? Like people always want picks in those drafts, and they're willing to trade an established player for a pick, right? So I got this question the other day, and and I'll kind of lay it out to you maybe for a second before I, I say what I want to say. Um, somebody asked me, I have Andrew Wiggins. And I want to trade him for a pick in this rookie draft. Okay. What pick should I be targeting? Hmm. Like what? And, and basically the question that was a little bit longer, but it, it evaluated for like, what's fair value? Like at what point would you say, no way I, I don't want any rookie beyond this point. I'd rather have Andrew Wiggins. Hmm. That's, that's a tough one. Uh, Wiggins, you know, not panning out that terribly well. Well, and we I, saw I, Wiggins kind of take a step back last year with the new Timberwolves, right? Yeah, Jimmy Butler, though Jimmy and, Butler might not be there. So, like, I would usually say... And need... Wiggins, let's say this about Wiggins first, yeah. okay? He's not a great fantasy player. He he scores, but, I mean, what else are you really getting from Wiggins? Like, Yeah, you're not getting a whole lot. He doesn't assist, he doesn't steal, he doesn't rebound, he's, he doesn't... Even with good, like, usage, he's not going to be a good fantasy player. Um, usually I think I'd say a lot less, but since this draft is so deep, I'd, I'd want like a top 10 pick 
Right. And and that was my answer, right? If it's anything past the top 10, and we'll squabble maybe a, a little bit about some of these guys, like right outside the top 10. Sure. Um, you have no idea what these players are going to be. And, and it's hard to project the top 10. Anything outside of that top 10, like – We'll we'll talk about these guys in a minute, but Michael Porter Jr. Right, he just had a second back surgery. That's not good. Like, if that guy never amounted to anything, I wouldn't be that surprised. And here's a secret about Michael Porter Jr. He's kind of Andrew Wiggins. He's a scorer and not a lot else. So you're trading Andrew Wiggins for a broke ass, literally Andrew Wiggins. Yes, and so. Don't get caught up in like I'm gonna trade this really established player for this rookie pick, right? If yeah. you're really if you really love somebody, right? Like if you're really high on Luka Doncic and, and you're gonna people are gonna find out that I am. Okay, if you want to trade Andrew Wiggins for the first pick and pick Luka Doncic, I would do that probably ten times out of ten. Yeah, that's an easy choice. But to trade it for even even the guy like Trey Young. Like there is a pretty high probability that Trey Young is never really that good of a player. And if he's not getting huge minutes, he's not going to be that good for fantasy. Yeah. He won't be as good as Wiggins if he's not getting huge minutes this year. Um, If you think he's going to get huge minutes or it looks like he's going to be getting huge minutes. All right. Make that trade because like, you know, you know what Wiggins is going to be, but Trey Young has a little bit of a uh, interesting uh, ability to get steals and, and assists. And could amount to something, right? Like he's not going to get a good percentage, but you should know what you're getting with Trey Young. That's better than another year of Andrew Wiggins. But uh, you know, I've seen people trade away, you know, the 21st, 22nd, 23rd pick for people like Bobby Portis. All right, well, Bobby Portis is going to play like 20 minutes and get some scoring and rebounding, and the guys who are like picked 22nd probably aren't going to play at all. Thanks. Right, and here's the other thing too. Like, it's so hard for me to make that trade until we're in the actual draft, right? Because there are players I believe in, and there are players I'm like, okay, well maybe he could be something. And then there are players where it doesn't matter to me where you guys picked in the real draft, right? I'm looking at you thinking, what do I see? Um, and there are players where I'm just out, right? So like, especially when we get in that range, right? Like. Maybe I don't really feel that great about any of the players. And if I don't really feel that great about any of the players, I kind of just rather stick with a guy who I know is going to at least play some. I'm completely with you there. The most important statistic in fantasy basketball is minutes per game. So let's go with the number one pick in Tyler's rookie rankings. For this season, this is a, so for you know it is like Tyler said, based on a, a dynasty outlook. So take that um, a little bit into account when you're hearing these ranks. But Tyler, who is your number one pick? So it's Luka Doncic, and it's it's really not close for me. That is the correct answer. Um, so I don't think it's crazy to say that he is he has potential to be a top fifty player this year. I wouldn't pick him in the top 50 probably, but there's potential there for him to be a top 50 player. Uh, The Mavericks have basically already said that he's going to start. Yep. And he's basically a wing who is going to handle the ball like a point guard. 
I um, I'm 100 with you here on this choice. I agree that I I don't think it's close, but I also I see a world where some of these uh, these rookies that we're going to talk about right after Luka Doncic um, get surprisingly like surprisingly close, right? Like I think if you want it, if you're making a pick, you pick Luka Doncic ten out of ten times. But in overall rankings for next year, I think there's there's a couple guys who might actually uh, um, be so more than uh, you know standard league relevant, but you know in a top seventy five, top sixty type of player. And if Luka Doncic has kind of like a a mediocre start to his career, he could be a top sixty player as well. Like he could fall down into that. But I'm with you. I think he's the only guy who could be a top fifty player. Um, Though, like I said, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these other guys get in there. Um, him not playing in Summer League was the best thing to happen to his draft stock as someone who knows how good he is. Um, I'm a little worried that he's going to have you know, a couple of amazing preseason games and that's going to completely um, increase his value to the, the common fan. But other than that, like, he, where, where are you thinking about drafting this guy? He, he's fun to watch. Okay, yeah. he's gonna pull some crazy passes out of his behind that you're like, man, I I don't know, man. That's 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 impressive. Um, he was. I, I'll even say this: he was by far the best passer in this draft class. He's got a a Ricky Rubio esque style to him. So I'll, I'll name you some players in Mark's rankings that that are in the general range, right? So he has him ranked sixty second. Um, we're looking outside the just outside the top 50 okay this is mark roberts you can find his projections on hashtag basketball.com and we will be having mark roberts on the show to do a review and uh, get his methodology for these for these rankings okay jamal murray or luka Doncic? jamal murray okay that's 51 uh chris dunn or luka Doncic? oh chris dunn no luka Doncic. no chris dunn oh why would you do this to me Look at the I'm going with Doncic. Yeah, Screw me, you, Chris Dunn. Me too. Chris Dunn's 53rd. Um, Josh Richardson or Luka Doncic? Uh, Doncic. That's not a question. Uh, Jeff Teague or Luka Doncic? I think Mark's sleeping on Jeff Teague a little bit. Uh, I will take him to task on that one. I'm going to go with Jeff Teague. I think he his projections for Jeff Teague last year were not great either, and we, we bucked the trend on Jeff Teague last year, and we were – Absolutely right, and I think we're going to be doing the same thing this year. So, um, at that point, we kind of get into some guys we talked about in our last episode in that DeMar DeRozan range. Um, I think Doncic is somewhere right around that top 50. I probably wouldn't take him in the top 50. I'd probably be looking at him just outside that top 50. Yeah, but... I'm, not, I'm not sure you're going to have to take him in the top 50 unless, like I said, he's going to unless he has a crazy good preseason. I'm not sure you're going to have to reach for him. But he, I, I mean, think you're going like, to get him at, at standard value. Um, if you're telling me I can have Blake Griffin or Luka Doncic, give me Doncic. Like, Griffin never stays healthy. Like, I, I just don't want to have that on my team. Like, sure, he's going to be great when he plays, but I just don't want to have that on my team. And, and just a lot of the guys in this range, like, I, I just like Doncic a little bit better. Um, I'm with you on Jeff Teague, right? If I can have Jeff Teague, I'm going to take Jeff Teague. Yep. Um, I'm going to probably take Jamal Murray. But other than that, in this range, I, I'm kind of really in on Doncic. So, I, I'm going to say somewhere outside, just outside the top 50, 51, 55, 60. Um, if I can take Doncic there, I'd be pretty happy with it. That's, uh, that's a pretty solid ranking. I like, I like that a lot. Um, 
he man, he just could be he'll be better than we even think. So his I think his ceiling is very high as well. Let's go um, to the number two player. So this is what it's gonna. I think Doncic was kind of a, a given with the in fantasy circles that he would be number one. Uh, this is when it starts to get interesting. Uh, we are gonna go through quite a few players, and uh, we're gonna. I think you're gonna be surprised how many of these guys might be staying like relevant. Who did you have as your number two rookie ranked player? Um, so this was a real tough decision for me. Um, I went with DeAndre Ayton. Ooh, okay. And, and okay, so here's the thought process, and, and this is a very important distinction. And okay. I, I'll just try to explain this the, the easiest way I can for people. Okay, the rankings for a dynasty rookie draft matter very much about what your team looks like, in my opinion. Okay. Sure. If I have a contending team where I need something this year, I'm going to be very more apt to pick a player like um, Elia Kobo, right? Like, okay, well, we, we get into that range, right? Like, Phoenix is probably going to play him because Phoenix doesn't really have a point guard, and he's a point guard. Or a guy like Mitchell Robinson, right? Like, you can see a path to Mitchell Robinson playing this year with Porzingis out. Yeah. There are also guys, there's guys like Zaire Smith, who's who's on the 76ers, who that dude is very much like uh, just an upside pick. Okay. Like, he's a really fun athlete, can jump out of the gym, can sure. do a lot of crazy things. But if he played minutes this year that were more than like 10 to 15 a game, I'd be real surprised. So it very much matters what you're going for. So these rankings are a little bit of a hedge. They're kind of the best of both worlds. It's a mixture of who I think is the best player going forward and who is going to play big minutes next season. Okay. I think I, I think I kind of get where you're going because after like three or four years, these rookies will have established value. So these aren't career long rankings. Um, at some point, these guys just become assets on your team. And so yeah. over the next, one to three years, these are the best assets you can get. And and here's why maybe I rate the the next year a little bit more, and this is kind of why Aiton went ahead of Jaron Jackson Jr., who's my number three on the list. They picked him number one. I think he's going to play big minutes right away. I'm with you. I think he is definitely going to play big minutes. So Jaron Jackson Jr., right, they got Marcus All there. They might limit his minutes a little bit early on. And we'll talk about a very interesting point with big men here in one second. But um, – so Aiton is going to be a much easier asset to move off of such that you want to because they're, he's going to have played big minutes and people are going to have seen him and they're going to be like, oh, well, at least they're committed to playing him a ton, right? If, he's the if, better asset. He's also probably going to get those counting stats, right? He's going to get points. He's going to get rebounds. Right. Uh, he's probably going to have pretty decent blocks. Like, And you're going to see him playing a lot while, you know, if Jaron Jackson is – Scrapping around at like nineteen twenty minutes, that's not really it's not really sexy at all, right? And I think Jaron Jackson will get more minutes than that, but early in the season, I wouldn't be super surprised. So, Mike, name me the name me some of the top centers in the league, just just off the top of your head. Just name me um, a center. Andre Drummond. Okay, so how many minutes do you think Andre Drummond played as a rookie? Oh, uh, uh, probably like twenty. 
20.7. That's not a lot. Name me another rookie. Name me another real good center in the league right right now. Carl Anthony Towns. Okay, now that one's one of the exceptions, right? That he was one of the, we did talk about those exceptions earlier. I, I went it was a little but unfair. You look at guys like Rudy Gobert, right? He played like nine point seven minutes a game his rookie season. Marcus Sowell. Right? Like a lot of these guys, especially big men, center types that we're talking about, do not play a ton as a rookie. Marcus Sowell played thirty minutes a yeah. game as a rookie. Oh, really? But, that, I, that is a, an impressive stat. I did not know that. But Marc Gasol was also 24 years old. That's a rookie. Also true. Um, I think that's a pretty good point that, you know, it takes a while for these the big men to get their legs under them at an, and, NBA, at an NBA level. But with but, DeAndre Ayton, he is going to be playing those starters minutes right, uh, right away. And that, that, that does increase his value. I, I, I don't have a problem with – but the, um, but ranking that, him second. That alone made me say Luka Doncic is far and away the best player because I think there's a reason most of these guys don't play big minutes, and it's because yeah. if they did, they'd struggle. So if we see Aiton struggle quite a bit next year, I wouldn't be super super surprised. But he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to fight with Alex Lynn for for minutes, so that's positive. Tyson Chandler's still knocking around, though. He will have Tyson Chandler. I think that's a good mentor for DeAndre Aiden to, to learn some uh, some of them tricks of the trade of uh, setting dirty screens like Tyson Chandler, um, big, violent screens. So uh, I, I, I like that a lot. But I, I'm okay with you putting uh, DeAndre Aiden number two. I think that's super fair. He's got all the tools. Um, he is working on a three-point shot. Like, this guy could be a legitimate uh, perennial all-star in the future. Uh, I think a lot of people have Jaron Jackson Jr. uh, either third or second uh, because of his fantasy tools. So how do you compare these two players when it comes to uh, their fantasy, like their stat line across the board? So it came down to three questions for me. Sure. Okay. Who's going to get more minutes next year? I think we answered that one, right? Eight. We did. Okay. Who has the higher fantasy upside? There you go. Okay. Now, this is the one where some people will say it's Jaron Jackson Jr. I'd argue that's not the case. Okay. And why, why, why is that? Okay. So, I don't know what you know about Jaron Jackson Jr.'s offensive game, right? So, Mark Roberts ranks Jaron Jackson Jr. 70th, and he ranks DeAndre Ayton wow. 93rd for next that's season. That's impressive. And, and that is with? Jaron Jackson Jr. playing 28 minutes and DeAndre Ayton playing 30. Now, let me just – quick segue. You're drafting both of these guys in a standard league. Yes, but I don't feel good about either one of them. You wouldn't take a last-round flyer. No, I would. would. I'm saying they are worth drafting in a standard league, 100%. Okay. I want to make sure you're on the same page there. I think these two will be overdrafted like we see a lot of rookies. Certainly. Okay, now here's the thing. Okay, so so the big separator is Jaron Jackson is going to be very good at the defensive stats. Could be uh, maybe better at blocks, and he's also got a three-point shot as well. And he's going to be better at steals. Okay, now the three-point shot I'm going to try to calm people down on okay. a little bit. And, and here's why. He's he no never, Wendell Carter Jr., I'll tell you that. Well, he didn't. he never took a ton of attempts in college. So, right. So he averaged two point seven attempts a game 
So he averaged 96 three-pointers over 35 games, which is a lot, right? But he never played a ton, and the reason is he fouled like crazy. He averaged 3.2 fouls a game in college basketball. So I'm worried that he's going to get huge minutes right away in the NBA. If he's got a foul problem in college, like, is that going to get fixed in his rookie season in the NBA? Mm, It often does not because there's just so many more crafty players, not just the, 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 guards like like james harden or anything like that but all the big men you go up against every single night just feed on dudes with foul problems well and here's the thing too he averaged three blocks a game but a lot of it was he tried to block everything and that goes away we saw with hassan whiteside who was trying to block everything and end up what blocking like four blocks uh, having four blocks a game which was insane yeah well that's just that's not good defense trying to block literally everything you think it would be, but it leaves you out of position. And once players learn that, uh, their blocks do go down. Right. So I think if the block numbers are super high, like per minute, he's going to foul out a lot. And and that's going to be a problem. Um, The thing that really separates the ceiling parts for me is I think DeAndre Ayton can score 20 points a game. I don't think Jaron Jackson at his best scores more than like 15. He's just not a huge offensive, like, give me the ball and let me do stuff. He's I think a... it's an interesting point. I haven't heard a lot of people uh, say that uh, DeAndre's ceiling actually might be higher than Jaron Jackson Jr. Is, is that what you're saying? Yes. Well, because I think Aiton can, sh- can, can develop a little bit outside shooting. I don't think he's going to be like – huge three-point maker but he can do it he's a really good athlete he's going to be a good rebounder okay they're both going to be good rebounders he's going to be able to block some shots not near as many as jaron jackson jr but jaron jackson jr also probably isn't going to block shots the way he did in college and ayton is a much bigger scorer he's got post moves he they're going to feed him the ball i think that the points really what ends up separating these two and that category definitely goes to Aiton. So I'm actually thinking Aiton has a, a higher fantasy ceiling, not by a ton, but a little bit. Um, I, I like that perspective. I think you make a, a compelling case that Aiton actually has a, a higher ceiling. I think um, there might be a handful of years where Jaron Jackson Jr. is, uh, finishes the year a little bit higher than um, uh, DeAndre, but... Um, you know, I, I think you make a compelling point that like he's going to have, he, he could eventually have 20 points a game. He's going to have elite rebounds. His blocks will be reasonable. His three-pointers could be reasonable. And um, that's probably gets you over the hump of someone who's getting extra blocks, maybe a little bit more steals and hitting more threes, but you know, just not cutting it when it comes to points and rebounds. So I, I, I like that take. I think it's a pretty good one. And so you got eight and a two. Okay, so Jerry Jackson at three. And and here's the third question that kind of separated them, and then I want to get to this. Okay, go ahead. And that is, what is the worst case scenario for both players, right? Like, could, like, and and I think that if we're talking floor, I think Jerry Jackson Jr.'s floor is a little bit higher because I think he's going to play because he's such a good rim protector, right? Like, 
we've seen big man fizzle out, even big men that are super talented like DeAndre. But the chance of either one of them like completely fizzling out doesn't seem high at all to me. Like they're both gonna play some. And okay. so that that alone, right? So the higher upside, the floor is, is relatively similar, I think. And then the fact that I think Aiton's going to play more this season, that kind of swayed the vote. Yeah, he's, 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 you think he's going to play a little bit more. You actually think his ceiling's maybe even a little higher, and his, their floors are, are pretty similar. Yeah, so that... So let me let me challenge you on something, then, because I know who you have ranked number four. It is the future Hall of Famer, Wendell Carter <laughs> Jr., the best junior in this draft. Let's use your – I want to use your logic uh, on Wendell Carter Jr. against Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, who's going to have Who's going to have the better year next year? Who's going to have the most playing time next year? I think it's kind of a toss-up. I think it's, they're both in similar situations. Wendell Carter Jr. playing behind uh, Robin Lopez versus Marcus Sowell. I think yeah. one okay. team is going to be a little so- bit more willing to put the rookie in than Jaron Jackson. Yeah, but couldn't you – I mean, like, who's going to play power forward for Memphis? Like, Jaron Jackson played power forward sure. mo- most of the time at Michigan State. Let's let's call it a toss-up. Okay. So, they both should play. You're right. Who will play? Plus, it's Chicago we're talking about. Like, oh, I don't he, need that slander up in my podcast, bro. I don't need I, you slandering Chicago at the beginning of the season. You can slander Chicago after the first week of the season when they're – I just making really terrible moves. I don't want to trust Fred Hoiberg. Okay. That that's well, that is an issue. So never mind. That was a pretty good, pretty good point to right. like he he he's in the, the category with Dave Yeager in Sacramento for me. Like Dave Yeager will play Zach Randolph 30 minutes for like the first two months of the season. He'll play over Marvin Bagley. He'll play Zach Randolph at power forward. And Zach Randolph should never play power forward anymore. He'll play him 30 minutes and he'll play Marvin Bagley like 18. Yeah, that's that's dumb, and we'll get to Bagley here in a second. But let's—I want to use your criteria. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm in. Wendell Carter Jr. ceiling. Who's got the higher ceiling, him or Jaron Jackson Jr. across the board, fantasy wise? Okay, so fantasy ceiling. Um, okay, so so how many points can Wendell Carter score? Like, what is Wendell Carter's point ceiling? Fourteen. Mm, and and I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is probably like in that fifteen range maybe a little too. High, maybe a little higher. Um, uh, I feel like their blocks are. Um, I think Jaron Jackson probably edges out Wendell Carter, though. I think Wendell Carter does have a, a pretty impressive uh, block game. I think Wendell Carter is probably a little worse in the blocks. I think you're right about that. So, I think uh, I think it's not it's not a whole lot. I think he's I think better he's, at steals. I, I think, think he's, he's better a, at threes. He's a little better passer. He's definitely a better passer. And the rebounds What about those percentages? I don't know, man. That's that's always hard to say for for young players, right? Like, you're right. It's this is a this is not um an easy comparison. But let's just say, who who do you got having the better ceiling? Because you know who I got having the better ceiling. But I'm I'm biased. Um, uh, I'll go Jaron Jackson Jr. There. I think this was this was another difficult debate for me. Um, I thought Wendell Carter looked really good in summer league. He was uh, probably the best looking guy in summer league. The best rookie in summer. Here league. was the the hard part is, the, and then I think you and I talked about this once before. Maybe 
him and Bagley playing together kind of took away from both of them. Yes. Right? Like when you watch Duke, right? Marvin Bagley and, and Wendell Carter Jr. played together at Duke, um, for anyone who doesn't know. And right, like you saw like some games one guy would do a lot of the things you wanted to see, but the other guy would kind of be pushed to the side and then vice versa. We also didn't get to see Wendell Carter like be the man as far as like a front court player scoring wise, because Marvin Bagley did that a lot more than him. Um so Wendell Carter Jr. was a pleasant surprise for me in Summer League. I have uh, he was a very pleasant surprise for me, and we did do a summer league podcast. So if you want to go check that out, we mostly talked about second year players, and so we will mention how some of these guys played in, in, in summer league. And Wendell Carter Jr. definitely the standout of summer league. So it was a much more difficult decision for me Aiden against Jackson than it was Jackson Jr. against Carter. Like Carter was a pretty firm number four for me after summer league. Um, <clears> I, 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 I would I, I want to challenge you on your third point though. Who's got the lowest floor? And I, I think the the question is, or the answer to that is, I I, I don't know how you're going to argue that Jackson doesn't have the lower floor because of some of the stuff you just mentioned about his uh, ability to stay on the court. While you know Wendell Carter Jr. has been compared to a guy like Al Horford who has uh, has had a long steady career. Oh, uh, I'm with you there. I wouldn't be surprised if Wendell Carter played more minutes than Jaron Jackson Jr. this season when when the final numbers are tallied up. Yeah. Um which which you know if it's if it's significant that means he's going to have a better season. But, he has but, a lower he has a higher floor. I'm just saying like I think the, these guys are a little bit more closer than you you have them out to be in my rankings. I obviously have Wendell Carter over Jaron Jackson. The floor is for next season. Yeah, but see, like, couldn't you just see? And this is the kind of the the the, the floor question, especially for next season that got me was like, I could just see Fred Hoiberg like playing Robin Lopez like twenty eight minutes. I just, I don't at all. I I really don't. And um, because I think Wendell Carter Jr. is one of those guys who can spread the floor, which is exactly what Hoiberg wants. Uh, You're giving Hoiberg credit for being a coach who knows what he's doing, though. Well, there's that. He has uh, been dealt a, I, a pretty terrible hand every single year. Also, I don't think he's a very good coach. I here's, think he's better, but he's, he's not a very good coach. Here's the point I wanted to make after pick four. Okay. So okay. We, we, we this top four. We, we've done Doncic, Aiton, Jackson Jr., Carter Jr. I feel good about all these guys sticking in the NBA. Are they all standardly relevant next year? I think the answer is yes. Standard League relevant? Yes. Will I pick relevant. most of them? That's probably the answer to that question. It's probably no. But yeah, standard would you relevant. would you say Carter Jr. is not draftable? I think he's draftable. I, I'd, I'd rather take a flyer on him. T- today he's draftable. Okay. So all four of those guys, draftable next year, relevant next year. Potentially though, by the time we get to draft tonight for most of our leagues. I could see some of those guys not really being drafted. Like, if we're pretty certain some some of them are playing like 15 minutes a game, especially to start the year, like, are you really going to hold a guy in a standard league who's playing 15 minutes a game? Like, that Probably doesn't not. that doesn't seem like wise business. No, I, but, I agree with you there. But my point after pick four is, I could see any of these players save like two being a bust. I, I don't think I can see any of these guys being a full bust. No, no, no. I'm talking about after this pick. Like, after oh. the top four. I could see every player 
that we're going to talk about. After, from now, from here on out in the podcast, every player, they could all be busts. Uh, yeah, like there's there's a... Except for two of them. There's a 5% chance or more, 10% chance or more. All right, I'm going to let me, I'm going to guess which ones you don't think are busts, but when we get to them. So let's talk about who you have ranked fifth. Who's your fifth ranked player? So it's Trey Young. And okay. I think Trey Young is, is always going to be a better fantasy player than real life player. Definitely. Okay. He's uh, definitely going to shoot a lot, which uh, teams in real life don't like uh, if you're not actually scoring, but fantasy wise, you can punt your field, field goal and it doesn't really matter. And he's, I think he's always going to be a good assist guy. He's a good passer. The dude's a good passer. So yeah, there was a lot of buzz around summer league about him just kind of really having, and he did, he had a terrible start to summer league, but one of the things he was, and we've talked about this in our summer league podcast. If you're good in summer league, all right, that's good. And if you're bad in summer league, that's a pretty bad sign. And I so I think a lot of people jump on that, jump on that bandwagon. And I think Trey Young's draft uh, stock went way down after summer league, and I think it went too far down because Trey Young still was able to put up good assist numbers and uh, pretty decent steal numbers, even though his uh, the ball wasn't going in. Yeah, and. This, that's kind of another spot where his, his fantasy and real life value diverge, right? Like, he's not a good defender, but he's, for the games we've seen, right, at Oklahoma and in the summer league, he's been good at stealing the ball. Yeah, he's been Which, pretty decent. He plays those passing lanes and takes too many risks, and coaches hate that, but right. I don't, I don't and, care. I mean, he's going to be the starting point guard for the Hawks next year, which makes him... F- Standard league relevant, which is quite shocking. You know, it's destroyed. Well, I, I told you this right on the podcast last week, was it? That like, if you go to Atlanta, his face is plastered everywhere, man. Like he's the he's the second coming of right, like. There's billboards and those little like flag pennant things like up all outside the arena with his face on them. Like they they think he's they're he's, all in. They're all in on Trey Young. So, but I could see in a few years, right, like on a team that competes, his defense could be hard to stomach. Like they're going to need a, a Patrick Beverly or a, a Clay Thompson to, to play beside this guy to defend. Yeah, even then, you know, you're also going to need a Rudy Gobert. Like you're going to need a lot to deal with how terrible of a defender Trey Young is going to be. Right. And, and, and so at some point, right, like if he's that bad of a defender, he could get marginalized into like a sixth man type just because they can't stomach his defense for 35 minutes a game. But he, he is going to get the minutes. So Trey Young, draftable next year. Okay. So I got some point guards and I want to ask you who you'd rather All have right. for next year. All right. Uh, Alfred Payton. Alfred Payton. Rajon Rondo. Oh boy, uh, Trey Young, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas, Trey Young, uh, Reggie Jackson, Trey Young. All right, so I mean, you got Reggie Jackson, or you got Trey Young, probably in your top hundred. It sounds like it. Uh, what about DeAndre Fox? A De'Aaron Fox. Ooh. De'Aaron Fox. I always get that name wrong. Um, yeah, I think I'll take Trey Young there. Just because I think they're kind of similar 
players, but Trey Young can get you more assists, probably. I know and... where I was going. It's like it feels like Trey Young could be a, a De'Aaron Fox situation, uh, but it just feels like Trey Young every once in a while is going to go off on, on scoring. Yeah, and and the and you said it, you mentioned it, but the field goal percentage is going to be bad, folks. Like, if he shoots forty, I'll be surprised. Like that would be surprising to if me. If he shoots so, forty, is definitely a top hundred player. Right, but I wouldn't count on it. I'm, I'm. If if you want me to project right now, I'm guessing like thirty eight percent. Dennis Smith Jr. Now, see, that's an interesting one because how much is he going to handle the ball, and how much is Luka Doncic? Like that's that is interesting. Um, the, so I think I, the I, system I, allows them to both have the ball. I I kind of think that they're similar players too. I'm kind of in on Dennis Smith though, in the sense that I think Dennis Smith might score a little bit more. So if you're in on Dennis Smith, then I think you're in on Trey Young, which obviously you are because you you just been talking him up as your number five pick. So fantasy relevant for sure. Draftable, it sounds like yes. So if you're in a in a a, a redraft league, I might take Trey Young over some of these big men, just in the sense that I think he's going to play so much more. Yeah, he's de- he's going to get those minutes. So, like, Wendell Carter might play 22 minutes. He might play less than Bobby Portis. That would be a freaking tragedy if he played less than Bobby Portis. But could happen. It's possible. Trey Young, good to start. Yeah, and so – that's kind of where, right, we talked about this a minute ago. Like, if I'm a contending team and for whatever reason, like, I made a trade and I have the third pick, fourth pick, I might pick Trey Young. So I'm going to get production from Trey Young next year. Yeah, you're going to get some stats. And you're going to get some assists. Assists are, are hard to come by. Right. So um, you're just going to have to deal with uh, that, that, that shooting percentage. Right. And, and it's going to be quite a bit of turnovers. And, and yeah, if you're in a turnover league, right, you might, you might dock Trey Young Rookies. a little bit. Um, often turn the ball over quite a bit. And, and here's the thing about his shooting percentage, too. It's going to be on big volume. Like, he's a shooter, man. He's he's a volume shooter. Like, you're not going to be able to hide it like you can with some other players because they sh- take, like, five attempts a game or eight at, like, a Danny Green type. Like, this guy's going to shoot a lot. <laughs> Mark Roberts has him down for shooting 11.6 attempts a game. Uh, make that more. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm right. He's gonna shoot, so that field goal percentage is gonna be a tough stomach. Yeah, crank that up. All right, so Trey Young at number five. Um, we're still in uh, standard league relevant for next year territory, which is pretty rare at this point. In uh, not super rare, but rare enough in in a draft for rookies. Who do you have at number six? Uh, so it's Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba, President Mo Bamba. Um, so I, I really oh, yeah, like the Orlando magic. I really like Bamba's defensive game. I just like saying his name. Um, he's going to rebound. He's going to block shots. He's probably going to average somewhere close to a steal a game. If he can get, especially if he can get 30, if he can get 30 minutes, he probably gets a steal a game. So there's a world where that team Orlando's for the very first time, uh, since Dwight Howard was there, which is weird to say as well that it was a fun team to watch then. I don't know if it was. But um, this team could be really, really fun to watch with President Mobamba and Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon all playing at the same time. Uh, it's, it's, it's just a giant amount of length. Like 
Uh, Mo Bamba and Jonathan Isaac blocked a shot at the same time during summer league. And people were like, Oh damn, like this, this could be a hard team to, to score on with all that length. But Mo Bamba is buried uh, behind a glut of centers on Orlando. So how, how do you feel about his playing time for next year? Um, so I think you're well aware that I think Vooch is, is a very underrated player. We and, both love Vooch, fantasy-wise. And so I, I don't see Bamba playing a ton, ton. They did move. Um, old, uh, my, my old favorite name, to, uh, favorite name to say, Bismaga Biambo. <laughs> Here's He's the th- no longer on the team. So there are minutes for, for Mo you know, But, I mean... They got they got Gordon who should be playing the four right. They got Jonathan Isaac who should be playing the four, the four. and the five right. So like you can't see him playing Vooch and Bamba that much together. No, like, this is kind of just a clustered situation, like a lot more than you want to see from a top rookie. But I think Bamba's gonna be good when he gets on the court at at certain things. And I mean, case in point, right? He ranks one hundred first in Mark's rankings in twenty six minutes a game. And that's because of aggressive block and rebound numbers. So would you compare Mo Bamba's like initial potential? So like I think maybe over time he becomes a little bit better scorer. He's even flirting with the three point shot. Like he's got a really high ceiling in the in regular NBA in the long term. I think fantasy wise, his ceiling is lower than some of those guys who are already uh, getting steals and hitting threes like they already got that built into their game. I, Would you compare his like short term game to that time that Bismack Biombo uh, went off in Toronto? In some ways, yeah. Okay. So here's a guy. He's a guy I wouldn't pick in a standard league in a standard redraft league because I think he may very well get the 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 big center man treatment we were talking about earlier right where like rudy gobert plays like 10 minutes a game um he's very thin he's very tall he's has the longest wingspan in the nba the moment he steps of all time. on the nba court right yeah 7 10 um just i i don't really like him for next year but i think he's really intriguing long term he's a really good rim protector he's gonna rebound the ball he can score a little bit he can shoot a little bit I like the game. I like the fantasy game. I don't like it for next year. Yeah, unless they do something with Vooch. Yeah, but haven't they been trying to trade Vooch since like yeah. I was born? Which I mean, I like, since they think, got Vooch, yeah. they were like, yeah, we're going to trade you. And then they're like, no. It does feel like Vooch has been in the league for 15 years. Which is probably only, he's probably like 26 or something. He's very young still. He's incredibly young. Uh, so, you know, someone should make a play on that. But. Vooch is definitely one of our fantasy darlings. We always end up uh, picking him up because he's always uh, he's always underrated. And I think and he's going to be even more underrated now because yeah, people are going to be like, definitely. "They got Mo Bamba, man." And they're I'm going to start Mo like, Bamba, and they're not they're not going to start Mo Bamba. I'm not, and I'm going to be like, "All right, well, you enjoy your ten minutes of Mo Bamba while I enjoy my thirty minutes of Vooch." There is a world. There is a world where they both play like twenty. Maybe Vooch plays twenty nine, and Mo Bamba plays twenty three or four or something like that. There's a world where that happens. Well, and we got to say this too, right? Like, are they a contending team? Like, they don't have a guard. They nope. have a guard on the Magic. Nope. They are so, not a contending team. So, like, 
sometimes you just throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks, right? Yeah, there could be like, a time period later in the season where Obama's playing like 33 minutes a game. Right, and and whether that's they shut down Vooch or they're just like, oh, we're going to see if Vooch can be a power forward and Bo Bamba can be the center or whatever. Oh, like, that'd be fun. I'd like to watch that. Right, like crazy stuff happens. Um, but it, ex- it, it will be interesting. So you're you're thinking Mobamba not um, not draftable in a standard league. I'm thinking he plays like 18 minutes a game. But I, I, I'm going to say he is standard league relevant. He is someone to keep an eye on. He is someone to stream. Watch list player. I'm with you there. He is definitely relevant in a standard league. So we're still in relevant territory. So let's go to number seven. We're already down to number seven. Um, who do you got at number seven? Oh, it's it's Kevin Knox, right? Who who stood out in summer league a little bit. Yes, another, you know, behind, I would say behind Wendell Carter Jr., who's one of the best summer league players of all time and future um, Hall of Famer. But, yeah, Kevin Knox also had a pretty good summer league, and the Knicks really need someone who can play basketball. Well, and and so some people are worried that Kevin Knox, right, like he, he even showed this a little bit during summer league. He's very much a volume square, right? Like he, he takes a lot of shots to get to where he needs to be points-wise. And he didn't do a ton of stealing and blocking in college, which is a little bit of a worry for fantasy, right? Like if you don't steal and you don't block shots, like it's hard to be super fantasy relevant. The thing I'll say about that is Kentucky players, like, we always, especially when they're as skilled as a guy like Kevin Knox or I don't know, Devin Booker or Jamal Murray. Or, <laughs> like we always seem to see so much more from them in the NBA. Yeah. They're, they're playing in that system and, and they get out of that and they actually start playing like NBA type team basketball and they just, they just look better. So Here's what maybe I'll say about this for fantasy purposes. Right? I think Kevin Knox is is an NBA player for sure. I yep. think he's going to get minutes for the Knicks. But in a normal year, he probably wouldn't be my number seven player. Like, I don't feel super good about his fantasy game. You feel because... good about his playing time. Yes, you I feel... feel good about his ability to to be standardly relevant. He could have a, an interesting ceiling in the right. long term. And he's but, only 18 years old, right? Yeah. Like he's like the youngest guy Incredibly we're going to talk about young. today. Um, but this, there is a world where Kevin Knox is not relevant come December. Yes. And there's a world where Kevin Knox is like Kevin a must Knox donut is, in December. And Kevin Knox's fantasy ceiling, though, like some of these guys we talked about, right? Like their fantasy ceiling is like way up there. Like Luka Doncic, his fantasy ceiling is probably a top twenty player. Definitely, but, some of the Wendell Carter, Jaron Jackson. Right, if those like, guys put it all together, they're in the top thirty. Yeah, top twenty, top thirty, top yeah. forty. Like a lot of the guys we talked about, Kevin Knox. Like, isn't his ceiling probably like somewhere kind of around the top fifty? Like he, I don't think he's ever really going to be a super big steals guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever really going to block that many shots. Yeah, I just, just I, I'm not sure he's ever going to do enough. Like. Is he kind of like I don't know, like is Tobias Harris? Like that's even like that's a little generous, even. Yeah, right. And and so maybe he grows into a player like that. But like even Tobias Harris, right? He's like a top fifty guy. Yeah, like Tobias Harris gets good steals. Like Tobias Harris is a really good fancy player. Um, 
So this is this is kind of where this draft goes a little haywire, in my opinion, right? Like there's there's some guys we're going to talk about here who like you feel real good about him being an NBA player, but like sure. is he going to be a great fantasy player? Like I don't know. And then there's other guys, right? Like oh, this guy could be an awesome fantasy player, or he could literally uh, never get minutes. He'll never in the play. NBA. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I, I'm completely with you there. This is a weird. This is a weird draft. That the fact that we're at number seven and we're just having this conversation right now, where we start talking about guys, actual like, do they have enough in them to be fantasy relevant, um, or are they never going to play? Like, usually that happens very quickly in the draft. At number seven, we're still talking about that, and we're actually going to still talk about that over the next like four or five more picks. Yeah, and and so. There's some guys who've been picked really high who we haven't mentioned yet. And so if you really wanted to take that type of player, like right here, I wouldn't I wouldn't have anything against you. Sure. Like uh like Marvin you still haven't mentioned Marvin Begley, who's the number two pick in the in the draft. Um and he's also not even next. So who do you have at number eight? So number eight is Mikel Bridges, right? He went to Phoenix. He was actually drafted by Philly and then there was the trade, so he went to Phoenix. Yep. Uh he feels really safe. In the sense that he's going to play minutes, and I think that was his kind of his um, his mo going into the draft is that he was a a three and D safe pick, which time and time again people don't make, and then they're like, "Man, I wish I had a three and D wing." Yeah, the and most so, important role in all the NBA. So like his he's incredibly safe. I think he'll have a long NBA career, but this is when we start talking about like, okay. Cool. He's 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 a decent enough player to play in the NBA. He's probably going to play pretty good minutes. Uh, I don't know. Phoenix is a little weird right now, but is he is he is he good at fantasy? I think he's going to be a, a, a decent steals and blocks guy. Um, I don't think he's ever going to score like a ton of points. Like he probably maxes out at like twelve a game, maybe thirteen or fourteen. Like if he really could get up there, um, he's going to do a little bit though. Like he's going to be able to get two assists probably if he plays 30 minutes maybe a little bit more he's going to get you four or five rebounds like he's going to be one of those guys who just does a little bit of everything but i like that those guys are usually under underrated but he, he he's another guy like this the fantasy ceiling is like maybe 50 like maybe yeah, like a good up. like a good fantasy player like oh yeah that guy's good and that's the ceiling right like that's important to remember like his best case scenario is probably like number fifty. Like, is he is he like a better Trevor Reza? Well, I don't know that he's a better. Right? We've seen some really good season from Trevor Reza. His ceiling is probably something in the neighborhood of Trevor Reza, maybe a little bit better. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of feeling when I look when I look at his stats. Like when I look at what his stats uh, potentially, uh, what he's good at is like, well. You know, that's what Trevor Reza was good at, except for Trevor Reza shot really poorly. Well, and and here's the thing too, right? Like Trevor Reza, them signing Trevor Reza could be really good for him. Yeah, right? like he could just it could be bad for his, his game after Trevor Reza. Wait, bad for his minutes this year, but like if Trevor Reza helps him improve and be a good NBA defender, like that's that's really good for Bridget. So oh oh, absolutely. Would you consider him draftable next year? In, in a standard league, probably not, just because it, he might have been had they not signed Trevor Ariza. Right? But yeah. you got to figure they're going to chop those minutes at that kind of four spot, and he's not going to play over Devin Booker at the two. 
Right. Nope. So I mean, potentially they could play Devin Booker as the point guard and and play both those guys, but is that yeah, like Trevor Ariza trade makes him I feel not draftable. And I think we kind of cut it there at the Mobamba at the number six. So we had Doncic number one, eight number two, Jackson Jr. number three, Wendell Carter number four, Trey Young number five, Mobamba number six. That's when we started saying, I'm not sure if he's draftable. Maybe, but the minutes might not be there. But he's well, relevant. Kevin yeah, Knox at number seven, relevant. Mikkel Bridges at number eight, relevant. Right. And I there's a lot relevant. There's a lot of water to go under the bridge, too, right? Like if I mean we see it we see it every time before like even training camp picks off, right? Like one year it was Chris Middleton, right? Chris Middleton's out for the season. Well, you know, that, that changes people's value a lot. And so, like, if Trevor Reese is the guy who goes down this year, then Bridges is... So Bridges, there you go. It's interesting. But with him in the way, like, it just kind of seems like a crunch. I mean, it's crunch there a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I like Mikel Bridges. I think he's... I actually do think he's going to be pretty pretty good. Uh, I think he's going to be a little underrated. Um, but not, not worth drafting in a standard league. Uh, let's keep going. We got uh, number nine. Yeah, Kentucky point guard. Uh, Jay Gilgis Alexander, who this is one of the crazy guys, right? Like he was not even really on anyone's radar. Like he was kind of a lower tier recruit to Kentucky and everyone expected him to kind of play a small bench role for them. And then like he morphed into their starter and yeah, now he's out in LA starting for the Clippers. Right. And so this is another guy who there's kind of a log jam there, right? They got Milos Tadosic, they got Patrick Beverly, they got, Avery Bradley, who they just re-signed. Like, there's a lot of mouths to feed in that kind of guard rotation. At least they don't have Austin Rivers anymore. Ugh. <laughs> but you like this guy, right? He's he's long. He's got real long arms. He's got a good wingspan. He looks like a good defender. He's a super uh, interesting NBA player. Fantasy-wise, though, I, I don't know how interested I am him at all. See, now – this is a guy who could get a lot of steals. He, if he's gonna be a point guard, right? Like you gotta figure that he's gonna get decent assist numbers. Like it's, it's hard to pass up a starting point guard in the NBA, right? Especially one with his kind of steal upside. Like if he's playing thirty minutes a game, or you know what I mean, like or thirty-two minutes a game, like that could be like a steal and a half a game. That's true. I, I do think there's a limit though. Like if he's if he's just not a good shooter, there's definitely a, a, a limit to his, his uh, ceiling. Yeah, but, I mean, we're talking about drafting players like De'Aaron Fox and Trey Young and Dennis Smith Jr. Like, sure, those guys might score a little bit more than him, but he's going to steal. He's going to be significantly better in steals, probably. Interesting. So, I mean, do you... Given that they all play the same amount of minutes, no. Yeah, given that you think there's less chance that... Uh, Gilich Alexander actually plays 30 minutes while Trey Young's definitely going to play 30 minutes. Yeah, until for next season. Like, if you're saying you got to pick one of these two players, like, it's not a contest. If, if they're both going to play 30 minutes a game, I can guarantee you that. Who are you taking? You Trey can guarantee. I'm going to take Trey just because his assist numbers are going to be enough better that I still want him. Plus, I think he's got a little bit of steel upside. Um, but this guy being a steal and a half a game guy, like Gilgis Alexander being a steal and a half a game guy, is not out of the question for me. Wow. So, I mean, we're talking to like he can move into that elite steal range. Yeah. Now, and if he's carrying the ball a lot, he's playing a lot of minutes, those assists go up, the points go up, counting stats go up. 
And suddenly you're talking about a guy who is not just standard like relevant, which I think we are getting we're we're saying he should at least be watched at this point, but he might be someone who you own at some point in the season. Yeah, right. Like I mean we saw their they got Lou Williams too. I saw who I forgot. Um Yeah. I forgot about Lou Williams too, and he's gonna he's gonna play a lot. Right. And, and so if he gets like twenty minutes a game for the season no. That'll be that'll, that'll be good for him, right? Like that'll be like, yeah, he he did good. Johnny did good. Um, yeah, but it's hard to see that. But then again, like, how many injuries did the Clippers have last year? Right, like Patrick Beverly never played. Kadosic was in and out of the lineup. Like all those guys that we named were hurt at some point or another. So, and like like you're saying, he has the potential to be a pretty good NBA player. So he starts playing, maybe plays twenty minutes a game for the first few months. And it's like, oh, no, this kid's really good. Like, he's much better than we thought he was. That's a potential. And we, I think we've said that literally about every one of these players. They could get in the game and be better than we thought they were and then start playing more and become standard league ownable. And we're at pick number nine. Like, all of these guys have the potential to that to happen next year, and that's, that's really rare. Right. Now, for this particular player – He's he might even not even quite make my watch list, especially if he's behind all those other guards to start. But like if I draft the week before the season and he's like basically out of the rotation, like he's probably not even on my watch list because you just don't really feel good about them just going, okay, well now you're going to play 30 minutes a game. Like, but he's a guy I think is really interesting in the long run. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying here. It's like you may be given a little bit of a bump because of his long-term uh, potential. Um, well, he, and here's the thing I'll say about the rest of the guys. Looking over the list, there's not a sure bet in the board. There's a lot of guys who are interesting left here at this yeah. point, but like the safety ended kind of with Mikel Bridges. Like, I, yeah, I was going to say, about- I was going to guess Mikel Bridges is one of your. He's going to be. He's going to be good. Um, I actually thought Zaire Smith would be your other one, but yes. we are we are not down that far yet. Yeah. So, and and I'll talk a little bit about Zaire Smith and what I think about him. Um, no, who do you got at number ten? I think this will be this is the most shocking ranking of of your. <laughs> so it's Marvin Bagley, the and third. So he went to the Kings at pick two, and um, his summer league he looked weak he just did not look good so i'm interested to see what what you thought about marvin bagley right like he was he's he's a name right he's the guy who gets a lot of pub yeah and he's he's been right like it was you know he's the leading scorer of duke you know this that yeah. other thing so i'm interested to see what you think about marvin bagley and his prospects and then i'll kind of give my spiel on what what i think about him so him going to Sacramento, I think, is the worst-case scenario for him as a human being, but <laughs> best-case scenario for people looking to draft him in fantasy. Um, unless there is the Zach Randolph situation, as there was last year, which is totally possible, um, he's. I think he's going to play 30 minutes a game. Okay, so by the end of the uh, season, maybe not to start the season, but I do think he's going to play 30 minutes a game. And he is a type of guy, I think, who can on some nights 
fill up the the sexy stats, the the points and the rebounds. Okay, so you brought up two very good points there, and these are two things I really want to hit on. So I'll, I'll take over for a second here. Go ahead. So now, obviously, this could change, right? Because like no coach sticks to anything like super hard and fast, but. In the past, we've seen Dave Yeager always be a coach that says, you, you rookie, will not start opening night. You will play a small bench role, and you have to basically earn your minutes. He's done it with everybody he's had. Like, basically ever. Yeah. Okay. As Anyone he's ever had in his time as, like, head coach. Okay? He did it with De'Aaron Fox. He even did it with Bogdan Bogdanovich last year. Right, like Bogdan Bogdanovich Which didn't make any sense because he's actually good and not like a tr- well, and, traditional and, rookie and twenty five years old. Right, like I mean, he yeah. he's an experienced professional in Europe. Um, he did it with Buddy Heald. He did it with Scalabissier. He did it with Willie Cauley Stein. Like name a Kings young man, he's done it his whole time with the Kings. Yeah, so, that's. I mean, that's not a good sign. So to say he's standardly relevant next year is difficult for me. There may I be. Think- a- you, you have to. You have to think he will be at some point. Yeah, there'll there'll, there'll probably be a point in the Once season. Once they that, fire Tavier, um, but I, to to draft him, like if you if you said you have to draft a rookie, starting you know at this point down, he I wouldn't pick him. I I just wouldn't. I'd pick Con Sexton open for next year if we're like doing a draft. Well. Let, let, I, I, let me get to the point about his his counting stats. It's like well, okay, so, those are sexy stats, right? Here, here was those my are question. not the stats that win you fantasy basketball leagues. Here was my question, and this is I think relevant on two fronts because this guy actually plays for the Kings. Is Marvin Bagley ever better than the best version of Zach Randolph we saw? Maybe if he develops a three point shot. Yeah, but is he going to develop enough three pointers for that to matter? Like, I mean, if he develops one per game, it's technically better. Yeah, but is it by comparison to the rest of the league? No. You know what I mean? Like one three one three pointer is like having zero. Right, that doesn't move the needle like it did when Zach Randolph was actually good, right? I mean, one's better than nothing, right? But it's I, I see what you're saying. Right, like he's Zach Randolph. In some ways, like I don't think he's going to shoot a great field goal percentage. He's a high flyer, like he's a real good athlete. He's a better athlete than Zach Randolph, but he's going to get you points and rebounds, and he's not going to steal or block or assist. Yeah, like, assists. Like uh, he's not really known for that. Like his free throw percentage is bad. Right, which makes me think: like, is he really going to be a good three point shooter? Like he can't really hit his free throws. So sure, I, he. Hit, he shot really well on limited attempts last year at Duke, but is that really going to stand up? Like, I'm I think not so sure. Went and talked to. Plus, did you notice at summer league, like they didn't really let him shoot from outside? Like they let Harry Giles shoot a couple threes, but like, did Bagley well, even? Harry Giles him? is a champion. That guy is going to be great. Love Harry Giles, but um, no, I don't. I don't really recall. I mean, I didn't watch a lot of the Sacramento summer league, but uh, I watched enough to not see Mar- Marvin Bagley shoot any threes. Yeah, and so, I mean, I, I just don't feel good about this guy. Like, he looked he looked weak when I when I saw him play, and uh, the highlights I saw, like he just looked like he was getting out 
outgunned by literally everybody. Just like he looks, he it looked like people were kind of manhandling him. It just like, didn't look like he could handle himself in the post. And so we go back to my three questions, right? Like, I don't know that I feel good about any of them. Yeah, no, no good minutes. Ceiling is real questionable, especially fantasy wise. And the floor is like, you know, not not great. Like it's it's his floor right. is probably higher than or uh, than a lot of people. Or his floor is probably a little higher than some of the people we already talked about. But his probability of reaching his ceiling is less. Uh, I made some Kings fans mad, maybe in my, in one of my last days covering the Kings when I said, "Is Marvin Bagley Scalabissier?" I think Scalabissier might be better than Marvin Bagley. Right, and like like. Kings fans like kind of have that love hate relationship with Scalabessier because he never plays, but like, didn't you just draft a new Scalabessier? Like, he it's certainly his post moves are better, right? Like, he's better player in the post than Scalabessier, but I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear that the second overall pick, Marvin Bagley, is not draftable in the standard league. And uh, you're even going so far to say maybe not standard league relevant next year. I there is a there is a world where Marvin Begley is not standard league relevant. I just I, I think you have to keep an eye on him. You have to ensure that if he is playing 32 minutes a game and getting Zach Randolph numbers, that he's owned. Like he should be owned if he's playing 32 minutes a game. Can you really see him? taking over the game as a rookie and scoring the, the kind know. of points he needs to score to like, I don't know what, who, what else is going on in that team. If we talk about percentage chances though, like it's to low me, to me, that's like maybe 1%, like just from what I saw in summer league and, and obviously like he can improve his game and work and get better. But like, he just didn't seem like that type of guy who's going to get his like, Say what you want about Zach Randolph. He's always been a guy who got his, right? Like, he gets the ball. He don't even look to pass sometimes. It's just like, Zebo's going to shoot this. That's for sure. And my, my claim to fame is uh, I was there in the building in Memphis for Zebo's one and only triple-double. You know what I mean? It's still so, one of my favorite basketball memories. Uh, I just didn't see that from Bagley. The You saw it a little bit at Duke, right, that I'm going to get mine. But, like, in yeah. Summer League with – Against other professional players, like we didn't see the hey. I'd like to see more of Bagley before I write him off as a nobody. Um, I just like to see more. I'm 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 starting to open the book to write him off, but I'm I I just I don't I'm not willing to write him off yet. I think he's standardly relevant. I think you want to keep an eye on him. I think someone who could be twenty and ten, which is possible. Um, should be owned if he is playing that much and he is getting those numbers, and it is possible he could do that. Am I excited about him at all? No, no I'm not. I, I'm semi-excited about literally everybody we talked about up until Marvin Bagley. So. Right, and so here's my point going back to that first question I asked you. Yeah. Like, if I hold pick 10 in a rookie draft and the nine that I have ranked go, and Marvin Bagley is sitting there at number 10, and and we got the rest of the guys that are below him. Like I'm, I'm just kind of sitting there going, like, man, I really wish I had Andrew Wiggins back. Well, I actually think there's a couple guys I would draft ahead of Mar- Marvin Bagley that you have below here. Uh, not this guy though. The guy you have at number eleven. Uh, you have Miles Bridges, and um, he's kind of like the the forgotten Bridges. 
You know, like everybody's <laughs> talking about Mikel, three and D, and like Miles Bridges is like three and D, right? Like he's he, he's very similar to Mikel Bridges, just a lower ceiling. Yeah, and well, here's the thing I, I always kind of liked about Miles Bridges at Michigan State, right? Like I always thought he showed the ability to be an NBA player. Like he's six, seven. So he's small. Yeah. He, and, and his best position is probably power forward. Like as crazy as that seems like he's in very many ways compared to Draymond green. He's and, like a mini Draymond. Right. And that's not a great comparison. Um, no. So the, the, the counting numbers, and this is what makes his, his translations for fantasy bad. Um, his sophomore year, the counting numbers, especially on the defensive end dropped quite a bit. And it was because he went from playing more four to playing more three because Jaron Jackson Jr. shifted him out. Yes. So that kind of dropped all his numbers a little bit. Uh, what I like about him is I, I've seen a lot of like real good little things, right? He looks like a good rebounder. He looks like he can handle the ball and pass a little bit, which I like. He's shown the ability to block a shot and a half a game in college. Um, you, you gotta like that. He can score a little bit. He can shoot threes at a pretty decent clip. He is a decent field goal shooter. Like he's shown the ability to hit his free throws. Like he he just does a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know he, if he's, he's gonna play a lot of minutes in Charlotte, especially early on. But no, I feel like he's an NBA player. Probably, yeah, he probably won't play a lot of minutes, which I I, I completely understand. Um, his ranking when you talk about how many minutes he's going to play his ceiling is also pretty like across the board. Like, you know, you know he's going to be like, he could be a top 100 player in in the future. Um, maybe a perennial, there's like top 80 player, even uh, if he kind of puts it all together. Uh, but like nothing super stands out with him and uh, his floor is actually pretty high. Like you were saying, like he looks like NBA ready. Uh, another guy who came out of Michigan State, uh, Denzel Valentine, kind of had a lot of the same uh, remarks. Like he, oh, he he can pass a little bit more. He can, he's a good rebounder for it. He's like a oversized guard, small wing, something in between kind of player. And it's like, well, Denzel Valentine didn't turn out that well. I think Miles Bridges will turn out better. Um, I think they're both NBA players, but fantasy wise, uh, Miles Bridges isn't, isn't exciting for me because of the the minutes, but also just like in in, in general, like I think it's going to be a couple years before you see Miles Bridges' uh, stock move up. And here's the thing I'll say about all these guys, like especially at this point, right? Like there's a lot of fungibility here. Like if if you wanted to say even like my number fourteen guy was your number ten guy. I'd be like, okay, okay. I can see that. Like, You're not going to get too bent out of shape about that. Right. Like, here is the point in the draft, maybe more than anything, right? Like, if you're talking about one of these rookie drafts where it's like, I could see a lot of these guys being something, and I could see a lot of them being not nothing. And, and so I, I feel good about the safety here, and that's kind of what pushed him up to number 11 is I think he's an NBA player. Yeah, if, if he's if you're in a dynasty league and you have him for the next seven years, I think you're going to get a a, a a bigger league relevant player out of that. But but here's the other thing too. Like if I'm in a 14 team dynasty league and I'm a rebuilding team that traded for this pick from a contending team, I'm not picking Miles Bridges. 
Like if I need to hit a home run with this pick, I'm not picking Miles Bridges. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some maybe those home run guys now because I think we got three in a row uh, coming up here. Um, this one was kind of the essential home run pick that everyone in the real draft passed on. Michael Porter Jr., who is having his second back surgery. Not the best sign, but that 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 potential of being a uh, a uh, just a very oversized scoring. Uh, I mean, he was compared to Kevin Durant by himself, which is probably a bad idea. But um, I think you kind of compared him earlier to Andrew Wiggins. If that's his ceiling, eh, Michael Porter isn't isn't terribly exciting. But I think his ceiling might be a little higher. And Andrew Wiggins until he had that second back surgery. So, so I think yeah. that, I, why do you I have think, Michael Porter ranked here? I think you're totally right about that. I, I, I think that the ceiling on this player is decently high, right? Yes. This, and I said this leading number, up to the draft. He was the number one ranked player out of high school. Yes. And then Marvin Bagley kind of passed him. And, and like now looking back on that, like those two being the top two players in the class is kind of a joke. Pretty laughable. Um, but Luka Doncic wasn't in the class, so that's we, 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 also that's, true. Because I mean, obviously, he was not a high school player in the states. So uh, about Michael Porter, you know, I think he can shoot. He didn't show that he could shoot, but he played three games. Like the the amount of actual game action we've seen of this kid, right? Other than against high school talent, is very small. Right, like we saw him play a little bit of USA basketball. He played three games at Missouri as he was coming back from a back surgery, which they said would keep him out the whole year, right? So he maybe kind of rushed back a little bit from that back surgery, which wasn't the smartest idea. Um, so if you want to talk ceiling, I think the ceiling is a guy who could score 20 points a game in the NBA, a guy who could be a decent rebounder. There's never going to be much assists. He's probably only going to get you like a steal a game, maybe 1.2 as like a, a ceiling. I don't see much blocks, and he's going to be a volume shooter. Like I don't think he's going to shoot a great field goal percentage, and the free throws are probably going to be somewhere in the range of eight. So there's a ceiling. The floor is he never really gets healthy enough to play. Yeah, I mean, like that's the, the worst. Floor, case the floor there. is um, never plays basketball, right? And that's a pretty steep floor, which would make me avoid. Someone like so, Michael Porter Jr. Obviously, he is not relevant next year because he's uh, uh, having a backyotomy. But... And, and here's the thing, right? Like, I've heard people say that they don't think he's going to play at all next year. And I will say this: I don't know about the procedure he just had because I haven't seen a lot of like actual information on it. Um, if you're a football fan, the first surgery he had is supposedly the same one Peyton Manning had that basically ended his career. Not a great sign. Yeah. So but then again, Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl after that surgery. Yeah, but, but my point being is like, I think there was some significant long term effects of that surgery. Now Peyton Manning was a much older man, and it's a different sport. Um, yeah. but to downplay the severity of the surgery he had was is not not a wise move. And I think you saw him slip in the draft because everyone was worried about as the they as they should be, and I think he should slip in in this draft as well. Um, I don't but, think I would. I, I don't think I would swing for the fences with Michael Porter. I think I would swing for the fences with one of these next two guys that you have uh, at number thirteen. You have Zaire Smith, who um, climbed up the rankings 
in the regular draft during workouts and what ended up in Philly. Zaire Smith looks like a pretty damn good NBA player. Okay, why? He looks like he has all the tools needed to be a very good NBA player. Okay, I'll buy that. Um, like I think the package is there. If he if he can put it together, he will be able to have a long career in this league. Yes, um, he is very much a flashy athlete. Yes, he's a guy that you watch like play one on zero, or and you're like, damn. That looks good, man. Look at that dunk and that jump and that, you know, flash and flash and flash and flash. I'm just, I mean, he's another guy. This is this is total upside yeah, shot. Where, where I mean, are you out on Zaire Smith? I, I, from what I've seen him play, like, it looks like he's going to have a place in, in the league. I, I wouldn't say he has a, a place in the league like Mikel Bridges does because those guys have these 3 and D roles that um, just exists for them, and those are always needed. Sarah Smith's going to have to put his game together in order to be relevant, but he has every tool possible in order to be a, a good NBA player. And, and so that, that, so my worry is kind of twofold, right? He's on the Sixers. So, like, what minutes do you really see for him this year? Close At, to zero. Right, as a developing player, right? Like, not a lot. And... We've seen these guys that people get excited for because they're flashy athletes, and then them never really put their game together. Yeah. But I think the floor here Especially is actually during summer league. Right, I think the floor here is very low. Now, where he, you can be an athlete, like a super athlete, and get away with like it's kind of like in college when you're like a good athlete, you can get away with a lot of stuff because these guys are like going to be fucking business administrators, like the half the guys you're playing against, but the super athletes can get away with it in summer league and then they come into the league and everyone's a super athlete and they don't have the talent or the tools or the vision or the NBA intelligence, just the basketball uh, IQ to, to put it all together and that's in order to stay on the court. And that, that's yeah, my- I, I think I'm with you there. I think he, I think he's got um, the ability to be a good so, basketball player. I like him. Here's what I'll say about the fantasy game, right? He averaged 1.1 steals and 1.1 blocks in 28 minutes a game for Texas Tech. That's cool. He shot really good percentages, 55.6% from the field and 45 on three-pointers. I like that. That's nice. The three-pointers was over a whopping 40 attempts, though. That's not that nice. In 37 games. Hmm. And he averaged five rebounds, 1.8 assists, and mm-hmm. 11.3 points. And okay. here's the other part of this. He played for Texas Tech. Name me another player on Texas Tech. Uh, Doug McDermott. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not one. Mm. So, I mean, to I say... I, I mean, I see what you're getting at. His ceiling, like, overall. Like, so let's say he meets his ceiling. Is he standard league relevant? Maybe? He, yeah, right. Like, he there's the potential that he's a top fifty player. Like, I yeah. think he actually has kind of a high ceiling with those good steal and block numbers, right? Like, yeah, that's what I like. That's what I like. If seeing. he can, sh- if he can shoot those percentages in the NBA, which he's not going to shoot forty five percent from three in the NBA, but like, nope. if he can shoot a. He's a pretty good shooter on both percentages. Good steals, good blocks. Like, 
you're starting to get kind of an interesting roto player. I'm also a little worried that he played 28 minutes on Texas Tech. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't look too, I don't look too far into that. But like, who, who the hell was playing over him? Like, this guy's shooting 55. percent We couldn't get him out there for 30 minutes a game. I mean, he started 21 games for Texas Tech. Like, he kind of came out of nowhere. You are right that like minutes are the most important number here, and like being on Philly, he's not going to get those minutes. I don't think he's relevant next year, or uh, he's definitely not draftable. I don't know. I don't know if he can be relevant next year just based on the situation. And here's the thing too: like, okay, he's a small forward, or he's like a shooting guard, small forward type, right? Like, do you see those minutes opening up in in Philly? Like, like who's going to open those minutes for him? No, definitely. Right? Not. Like, okay, they could let JJ Reddick go, I guess, but like he's still going to be like the sixth option on Philly, right? Like Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. I'm hitting Robert Covington for an open three before Zaire Smith probably. Uh, maybe. Well, well, that's a toss-up, I think. Um, well, we don't, guy... I'll say this about him too. We don't really know what he can shoot from three. He shot 40 attempts, right? Like, Yeah, we, we have no idea if he's right, like, actually a three-point shooter. Like Steph Curry shoots 40 attempts in what, like night. games? Seven games? You know what I mean? Like, are we going to judge Steph Curry's seven-game sample at any point on his three-point percentage? Like, no, we're not going to do it. I'm going to judge him. Um, I, I'm i with you there. Like, um, there's a lot of question marks here. And the, the biggest question mark is where is he going to get minutes, and that's the most important thing. So, fantasy-wise, not relevant, not draftable. Um, I would actually say the guy you got at 14, I have much higher – uh, than a, a lot of these guys we talked about who aren't relevant, so who you're aren't draftable. I think this guy is relevant. I don't know if I'm going to draft him. I don't know if he is draftable. He might be, but I, he's definitely relevant next year. This is Colin Sexton on Cleveland, who sounds like he is going to be um, playing quite a few minutes for the Cleveland Cavaliers next year. Are you excited about that? Uh, I'm excited in the fact that it's hard to look away from a starting point guard in the NBA. When you start looking at fantasy, you yeah. got a guy who's going to have the ball in his hands. Uh, that team is going to probably suck. Um, can I? Can I? Can not I know what Kevin Love? I know he just resigned there. I don't know what kind of kind of world uh, Kevin Love and Colin Sexton could like. You know what kind of duo that could be? It's a little, at least, somewhat intriguing. Can I read you a stat line from Alabama? Yeah, sure. Feel free. Okay, so nineteen point two points in basically thirty minutes a game. Okay. That's good, right? Scoring. Okay. 3.8 rebounds. All right, okay. 3.6 assists. Mm, okay. 0.8 steals. Mm, okay. One-tenth of a block. Uh, that's not a real number. <laughs> 2.8 turnovers. Okay. 1.3 three-pointers a game. On 33.6% from the shorter college line. Uh, that's not, I don't like that very much. And he shot 44% from the field and 77% from the foul line. 77% from the foul line? Hmm. So. I don't like that a lot either. Here's what I said about Colin Sexton kind of all the way up through the draft process. I think his ceiling is Lou Williams. He's a scorer off the bench. He's a six man at best. Yeah, he's a microwave guy. He gets in there. Right. Well, you know, Lou Williams was like in the top twenty five last year. 
okay for fantasy. Yeah, he was. That's what but, I'm talking about. But is he going to be able to steal the ball as much as him? Probably not. Probably not. Is he going to be really getting a decent number of assists? Like, we haven't I, seen that. I, I think um, if he's going to be running a system with Kevin Love and he's going to be the primary ball handler and he's going to be a point guard, those those assist numbers will go up. Like, who the f- but, hell was but, he passing it to on Alabama? Like, who the hell else is on that team? Okay, I'm with you. Not, not a lot was on that team. Um. But if we look at Lou Williams every year before last year when he went completely bonkers, right? Like he gets you 15, 16, 17 points. He gets you like a steal a game. He gets you like two and a half, three, three and a half assists, like two and a half, three rebounds, like yeah. a couple three-pointers. And, and I actually think that Lou Williams is a much better three-point shooter than Colin Sexton, and he's a much better free-throw shooter than Colin Sexton. Sure. Like, but Colin Sexton, I, I, I'm saying, you're saying he's going to get big fantasy minutes. relevant is going to start on the Cleveland Cavaliers as far as we know is relevant enough to take a look at. Am I saying draft him? Am I saying he's better than Lou Williams? Am I saying he's a top fifty player? Am I taking him ahead of any of those top six guys that we talked about? Probably not. Probably so, a big no on all of those things. Trey Young definitely uh, going to be a better fantasy player than Colin Sexton. And do I care about him a lot more than uh, Miles Bridges, Michael Porter Jr., Kevin Knox? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I, I think he is someone to keep an eye on. Um, if you want to take a last-round flyer on him, I, I would disagree with that choice. Uh, but he's going to be he's going to be relevant with his minutes. So just so Mark, based on his minutes next season, is does that make him a standard league player? There's a potential there to say yes, and also he could uh, flounder out. Okay, so Mark and I are on the same page in this one, in some ways and in some ways not. Sure. Right? So Mark has him projected for 26 minutes a game. I think that's a safe estimate. That's fair. Yeah, that's very safe. Okay. Um, I'm going to fight back on his assist number, regardless of how much he plays. Like if he even plays 32 minutes a game, like I don't think know that he averages five assists because look at some of the guys on that team. Like, okay, Kevin Love will let him assist the ball. Is J.R. Smith really like J.R. Smith runs. J.R. Smith gets hot though. Line, so you can't get an assist though. If, half he, get, if he gets hot though, watch yeah, out for J.R. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't see a lot of like Jordan Clarkson. No one, Jordan Clarkson, let anyone assist him the ball. He's out no. there dribbling and shooting. That's very true. You know what I mean? Like, who's he gonna set up? Who's he gonna give these dimes to? I'm gonna say so. Mark Roberts okay. has so, about 26 minutes, 2.9 assists a game. I think that's a little insulting. Okay, so he's ranked 251st at 26 that's minutes a game. Not a very 15 good. minute Kevin Kenneth Fareed is ranked ahead of him. I like Kenneth Fareed. My point in in saying that is. I don't think the ceiling is super high. I don't think the floor is super high because I don't think he's a great fantasy player in any one particular category other than maybe he scores you 15 points a game. Yeah, I, I, and the opportunity is the best thing, right? Like I'm going to disagree. Like He's going to play. He's going to start. He's going to play on an NBA team. He's going to play with Kevin Love. 
and but, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep track of him. I'm gonna make sure he does. If he's blowing up, I get him on my team. And that's with your assumption that he's gonna start. Yes, I I'm not making that. Then that's fair. I I would think, and and here's here's my honest opinion, right? I would not be surprised if they started Jordan Clarkson and J.R. Smith in the backcourt over Colin Sexton. Like I just don't think he's that good. And I'm not to say those two players are. That's, I mean, I'm not going to, I guess I'm not going to argue that you should draft him over the guys we talked about earlier who we said were standardly relevant. But I'm also going to say, I think you almost have him at a not relevant at all uh, well, so, so here, here on your rookie draft, and I think he's relevant. So if you're if you're the type of team, right, in a 14 team league, like you're a contending team, sure, pick him over Zaire Smith and Michael Porter and Miles Bridges, maybe even Marvin Bagley, maybe even Gilgis Alexander, right? If you're really feeling froggy. But if you're a rebuilding team, like what is the ceiling here? Like, so you're 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 saying like I'm saying and, if you, and you said uh, you said this at the beginning, so you know, let me. Let me, um, I guess, adjust my argument towards how you rank these. Is like, as an asset, is Colin Sexton a, 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 a three- to four-year asset more than some of these other guys? And the answer is probably at first yes, but then eventually no. Yes. that's that. You're hitting the nail on the head right there. And I also think, too, that like his stock may sour really quick if those guys are playing over him. Like People might be like, He's like the exact opposite of Michael Porter Jr., which is no eventually, maybe. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I if, if you're playing J.R. Smith and Jordan Clarkson big minutes over Colin Sexton, like, at what point are you just like, man, maybe Colin Sexton ain't that good? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, pretty quick. Like, his point. stock could sour in a second. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. And he could also have, like, three good games to start the season, every idiot is going to be on Colin Sexton, which you should immediately trade him. But I just I think the the possibilities are a little wider than uh, you might be giving Colin Sexton credit for. So after this point, I think the crapshoot begins. This is a full crapshoot. So let's. I, I'm with you. I, th- I would agree. A lot of these names. Um, first off, some of these guys I don't, I've never even heard of them in my entire life. Um, because they are not standardly relevant, and most of them won't be. Uh, let's do a lightning round of the next, uh, next like maybe eight or nine, because some of these names I actually have heard of, um, and some of these guys uh, we've already even mentioned in this podcast. So yeah, number fifteen, you have Lonnie Walker. Why should we care about Lonnie Walker? Uh, he can score. All right, I like it. Kevin uh, Huter. Kevin Herter. Herter. Um, so this is a guy who didn't play in summer league. Yeah. So this could be a very underrated guy. Atlanta. Um, the Hawks are apparently wanting to play him from everything I've heard. Okay, that's weird. That's, that's a positive. Uh, good three-point shooter. Kevin here, can, can he score? Can he score? Uh, he's not going to be a big scorer, but like as a guy who can get a steal a game and hit some three-pointers and do a little bit here and there, like uh, that's kind of where I like him as a 3 and D type. Of, uh, okay. A crap, a crap Miles Brid- or Mikel Bridges. All right, that's um, worth at least looking into. Uh, D'Anthony Melton on Houston, a, a guy it sounds like Houston is kind of likes. 
Yeah, right. So he looks like a big defensive stats guy. He was always known as a defensive player at USC the year he played, and then he didn't get to play last year because he got suspended. Um, the jump shot's a bit of a work in progress, but it is looking better. Um, he got big rebounds and assists in college with big steals, and he averaged a block a game in his only year at USC. That Those are nice uh, fancy sets. I like that. I'm going to keep an eye on him. Mitchell Robinson uh, had a great summer league. And I see that's why I know that's why people are watching him. But uh, what what do you like his do you like his potential next year on the Knicks? There looks like there might be a role for him, right? Some minutes, which you like. Um, I also like the fact that he's big and athletic, and he looks like he can hang, right? Like some of those big athletic guys, right? They get bullied in the post, and they don't look super good. Like he looked athletic enough to get out and guard on the wing, and also rim protect and block some shots. If you're a big man who can play minutes and block some shots, I'm kind of interested. Well, he's going to have to get playing time over Joakim Noah first, so good luck with that, Mitchell Robinson. Uh, former fourth uh, runner-up in MVP voting, Joakim Noah. Um, next on the list, at number 19, Troy Brown Jr., Washington. Um, so he's a guy who's probably not going to get a ton of minutes right away, right? Like there's a lot of impediments to him actually playing. Um, what I like about him, though, is he's a real athletic guy. Um, he showed the ability, 1.6 steals a game at Oregon. Um, he's a guy I've been into for, for a while, like once I started covering the draft. He can handle the ball a little bit. He can get rebounds, get assists, get steals, and that's what's going to make him interesting. I like that. Uh, Washington might actually have a, a reason to play him at some point. Like the, you know, That team's real weird, and uh, someone might get moved because they all hate each other. So you never know, Troy Brown Jr. might end up getting more minutes than you might think you uh, would originally. All right, going to give it a shot. Number 20, Josh. Okogol. Kogi. Okogi. Okay, so the interesting thing about Okogi, he averaged 1.8 steals and a block a game. The bad thing is he's in Minnesota and Tibbs hates rookies. Right. So this is a guy for down the track, but he's he's another guy, kind of a defensive wing type, uh, can handle the ball a little bit. He's interesting. All right. So that is your uh, top 20 overall. I, you know, you got my boy Chandler Hutchinson pretty far down the list. You know, I think he's good. He's going to play more minutes than you think. Grayson Allen at 32. Uh, here's just some of the highlights. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo way down there at 39. I'm, I'm with that ranking. That's a good one. Um, if you want to get this full rookie ranking all the way down to the bottom, all the way down to 58 from Tyler, uh, we, we would really, really, really uh, appreciate it if you went to our Patreon and became uh, one of our Patreon subscribers to get the entire rookie list. Um, it is at patreon.com slash watching the boxes. Is there any other players on this list that you, you want to, uh, you kind of want to spotlight? Okay, so there's 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 two guys. Okay. okay. Um, a guy I think a lot of people are sleeping on, he's 25 on my list, Bruce Brown. He had a real good freshman year at Miami. He got hurt his sophomore year, didn't play as good, kind of slipped in the draft. He looked real good in summer league for Detroit. I don't know that the minutes are going to be there next year, but he's kind of a guy I'm, I'm keeping my eye on, a guy that I kind of really like. Also, like, you know, what's going on in Detroit? Like, uh, I don't know. Well, and they got Dwayne Casey now, right? So yep. that, that could be interesting. Um, and the other guy I'll mention is 24 on my list, uh, Elliot Kobo. 
he could literally be the Suns' starting point guard at some point this year. That right? like, is crazy. They got Brandon Knight coming back, right? This is a French point guard. Like most people have probably never even seen this kid play. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be super exciting for fantasy, but at the same time, like if I got a second round rookie pick in like a fourteen or sixteen team league, and I'm looking for any kind of production next year, um, worth, in a, that worth range, a flyer. Yeah, worth a flyer, just in the sense that he might play minutes, and we talk about it all the time, right? Minutes could be the most minutes, important thing. Minutes matter. Um, you have Grayson Allen at 32, who had a very um, fantasy-friendly uh, stat line during Summer League, even though uh, Grayson Allen is a piece of shit. So he's the any of- interest in his stat lines when, when they look like he could put up uh, kind of like Joe Ingles' light? Um, I worry about a guy like Grayson Allen, even when they dominate summer league in the sense that he played four years at Duke. He's significantly older. We saw him very up and down in his time at Duke, right? Like he had some real good years and some kind of crap years. And that worries me. Um, I'm not huge on Grayson Allen. If you really want to pick him, I mean, sure. Go ahead. I'm not not in on that guy at all in any way, shape or form. He's also, you know, he's like, he's, his, Fantasy stat line is somewhat interesting per minute possibility. When he starts playing against dudes who are uh, super athletic, he, that all might just fall apart. Um, also, he's not going to play. Right, and then that's that's my point, right? It's like he's older than some of these guys on the Jazz's roster. Yeah, right? like, older just than because he's Donovan a- Mitchell. Doesn't doesn't mean anything, right? Like he's older than a lot of these guys, and a lot of these guys are probably ahead of him in the rotation. So it's like, you know, he's not that much younger, right? He was born in October of ninety five. In July nineteen ninety five, Dante Exum was born. There you go. So you know what I mean? Like, and Dante Exum's got what four, three, four years of experience in the NBA. Like, well, is, you know, he is, didn't play some of those years. Okay, but is Allen going to be ahead of Exum? Right? Like they're relatively the same age. Good point. You know what I mean? Like, if Exum's ahead of you in the rotation, like, okay, you can say, oh, I'm a rookie, but, like, you're just as old as him. So, it's just, I don't really ever see him being even, like, a standard league fantasy contributor in the sense I don't think he ever really gets that kind of minutes. Yeah, I don't think he ever gets the minutes either. And it was just that his summer league stats probably piqued the interest of quite a few people. And I think that was, uh, that's going to be overblown. There's one guy that's below him that's probably worth mentioning too, and that's Jevon Carter, um, plays for Memphis. That's not a real person, I don't think. Uh, he is a staunch defender, and so like he could be interesting even next year, maybe as like a, a defensive stat streamer, like especially steals. He's a real good steals guy. Um, maybe think like Tony Allen, right? Like you're trying to win your week in steals, and you need somebody. They could need a player like that on Memphis. Right, so if he's getting the minutes, you know what I mean? Like, his steals could be good enough to be uh, a a streamer. Like, he's not a guy you're going to want to hold the whole season. Um, But, yeah, so that's a guy I'm kind of keeping my eye on, too. I like that. This is a very extensive list. Uh, Tyler did a a fantastic job putting this together. Uh, Like I said, patreon.com slash watching the boxes if you want the full list. Our uh, top ten, Luka Doncic. DeAndre Ayton, Jaron Jackson Jr., Wendell Carter, Trey Young, Mo Bamba, President Mo Bamba, all could be uh, dra- basically 
oh, close to draftable or draftable next year, followed by Kevin Knox, Mikhail Bridges, Gilgis Alexander, and Bagley. Um, all we considered fantasy standard league relevant next year. So a very deep rookie draft uh, going into next season. Um, I think that, I think that's going to be it for uh, tonight. We do um, really appreciate you guys listening. And if you, if you want to get a hold of us, you have questions about this, uh, about the rookie uh, listings that we've given out here. If you got questions about uh, some of the other stuff we talked about, if you want to hear more dynasty type of talk, if you want to hear uh, mock drafts in the future, we're just taking open feedback. You can find me on Twitter at watching the boxes and you can finally find Tyler on a real Twitter name at Tyler P Watts. Uh, please hit us up with feedback uh, on the podcast or just topics you want to hear about, or if you got questions about your league and if you like the podcast, do us a favor. It's really easy. Rate and review us on whatever you're listening to this too. Uh, it takes like a half a minute and it really helps us out as well. So Thanks, guys, and I guess we will be talking to you soon. Thanks, everybody.